green jungles and waters of jade, the natural riches of the South Island's wild west coast. Green jungles and waters of jade, the natural riches of the South Island's wild west coast What's generally referred to as the west coast of the South Island is shown on the left side of this map, north at top. A road trip is included in red. The west coast of the South Island stretches for about 800 kilometers, 500 miles, from Cape Farewell in the far north of the island to Posager Point in Fiordland, though by convention the coast ends at Jackson Head just south of Host Pass, everything south of that being Fiordland. The west coast is an area with far fewer inhabitants than the eastern side of the South Island. Far fewer inhabitants, but a lot more rain. For in New Zealand the weather comes mainly from the west and meters of rain are dumped each year in the hills whose streams run to the west. From the north, the South Island's west coast begins, just off the map above, with the Whanganui Inlet west of Cape Farewell and a stretch of trackless coast north of the Hefe River. The Hefe track comes out at the Hefe River and continues south along the coast to the Kaha'i High Shelter and Campsite, where the West Coast's road system begins, yeah. The Kohaha'i campsite has Naikau palms sprouting from white sand and looks quite tropical, an appearance that's typical of the northern part of the west coast. The angle of the South Island means that it's not just Nelson that's sheltered from Antarctic winds, but much of the west coast as well. Naikau palms in Paparoa National Park, see below, near Karamea, you might want to explore the caves and arches of the Operara River. In this photograph, of the Moria Gate Arch, there's a hint of the lushness of vegetation that's such a feature of the South Island's west coast, where rainfall is measured in meters per year and the landscape generally is different to the barrens of central Otago as could possibly be, even though these regions are on the same island exclamation mark from Karamea, let's follow the road trip marked in red on the map above. From the end of the Hefe track, we go past the side roads that lead to the Wangapika track and the Old Ghost Road, all of which I talk about in my Hefe track and Old Ghost Road blog post. There are strong coal and gold mining traditions in this area. It's worth visiting the ghost coal mining town of Deniston. A little inland between Westport and Granity, Deniston sits on a plateau more than 600 meters or 2,000 feet above sea level. The weather is terrible at Deniston a lot of the time, but the town has commanding views of the coast on a good day. Deniston today, the isolated community that lived at Deniston, there is now almost all gone. But in its day the hill town was famous not just for romantic isolation but also for the Deniston Incline, a fearsome steel wire ropeway. Here's an excellent, short, documentary made in 1967, the year the Deniston Incline finally closed. At Westport, there is a surprisingly impressive town hall for such a comparatively small community. The Westport Town Hall, opened in 1940, from Westport, you can head inland through the Buller Gorge and around the Bruner and Victoria Ranges including Victoria Forest Park, in a loop via Springs Junction, Reefton, and Inangahua. This is a really scenic region with lots of places to go tramping and with more relics of mining. It's a fair way inland but it is still regarded as part of the West Coast, since it's west of the Lewis Pass into Canterbury and the Hope Saddle into Nelson. As in all mining areas, there have been lots of tragedies. A sign I saw at Deniston. There is a major memorial at Bruner. And strikes too. One epic struggle at Blackball in 1908 contributed to the eventual formation of the New Zealand Labour Party. Heading back to Westport you might want to visit Cape Falwind, obviously not named by a real estate agent, but actually by Captain Cook after his ship Endeavour was blown offshore in this area in 1770. Cape Falwind is a bracing short walk, which can indeed be very windy, with cliffs and seals, the New Zealand Department of Conservation, DOC has a web page on the Cape Falwin Walkway and PDF brochure on walks in the Westport area which includes other walks. 
Paparoa National Park, including Puna Kaiki, south of Westport, on the Coast Road, is the epic Paparoa National Park, which includes the Paparoa Track, Great Walk, Over the Tops, the Low A Altitude Inland Pack Track which follows on from it with incredibly lush ferny bush, and the must-see coastal locality of Puna Kaiki. The Pike 29 Memorial Track, in honor of 29 miners killed in the unsafe Pike River coal mine in 2010, is due to open in 2021. Entrance to the Pororari River Track Typical Paparoa National Park Vegetation and Cliffs The entrance to the Paparoa Track on the Paparoa Track Punakaiki The Pancake Rocks at Punakaiki, Paparoa National Park Photograph by Nicholas Lair, CC by 2.0 via the DOC webpage on Paparoa National Park Another view of the Pancake Rocks at Punakaiki The Pancake Rocks are not the only attraction at Punakaiki a beautiful place with cafes and dramatic standing rocks on the beach, all amid more Nikau palms. Punakaiki's tourism website is punakaiki.co.nz. See, also, the DOC webpage on Paparoa National Park. Greymouth and Hokitika The next sizable town, heading southward along the coast, is Greymouth. This is the biggest town on the west coast, with a population of a bit over 8,000. From Greymouth and its beach suburb of Blake Town, you can see the South Island's Great, Long Mountain Range, commonly known as the Southern Alps or Katirtrio Tamoana, which literally means that which is cultivated by the sea but has a more poetical significance, I believe. Blake Town, Greymouth, looking toward the Southern Alps slash Katirtrio Tamoana. Photo by Stuart Nimmo of Nimmofoto.co.nz, August 8, 2020, CC by SA 4.0 via Wikimedia Commons. As indeed, from much of the central part of the west coast. A typical view of a front range of the southern Alps slash Moana as seen from the side of a South Island road, in this case Evan Strait on State Highway 6 near Haruhari. Public domain image by Remember, August 14, 2006, via Wikimedia Commons. Not far south of Greymouth is the still rather frontier like town of Hokitika, population just under 3,000 where some of the action in the 1999 New Zealand period drama Greenstone and the more recent BBC drama The Luminaries is set. Hokitika CA. The 1870s. Photograph by James Ring, Alexander Turnbull Library Original Print Reference No. PA 751051, Public Domain Image by Wikimedia Commons. Hokitika hasn't changed a heck of a lot since the days of Greenstone and The Luminaries, except that the boats have now got motors and the roads are tar-sealed. Between Greymouth and Hokitika, and going inland, are several other interesting places to visit. These include Lakes Kanyar, Brunner slash Moana and Mahi Napua, the last off which is small but scenic. See the DOC pamphlet walks in the Hokitika area from Kumara to Ross, which includes the Ross Historic Goldfields to the south of Hokitika, also the DOC webpage on the Lake Brunner area. Here's a map and inset photograph from the pamphlet colon from walks in the Hokitika area from Kumara to Ross, New Zealand Department of Conservation, 2008, extracted December 30, 2020, CC by SA 4.0 It's in this area that why you can also do the West Coast Wilderness Trail on foot or on a bike, westcoastwildernesstrail.co.nz. You can do it freelance, and there are also operators who will provide accommodation and bikes. Here's a rough map screenshot from the West Coast Wilderness Trail website, which also has an app you can download as well as a more sophisticated downloadable map. The West Coast Wilderness Trail. Google Maps control icons blurred out for this post, as they are not active in this screenshot from westcoastwildernesstrail.co.nz. Background map data copyright 2020 Google.
One thing the Wilderness Trail doesn't take in, but that is mentioned in the DOC pamphlet, is the Hokitika Gorge with its blue pools, 33 kilometers southeast of Hokitika via Kokotahi. These blue pools are sometimes milky, and sometimes clear. Hokitika Gorge, in the Hokitika Scenic Reserve. The reserve contains walking tracks in Mature Raimu, Miro, and Kamahi Forest, with viewing platforms and a swing bridge across the Hokitika River. Photo by Stuart Nimmo, nimmophoto.co.nz, Development West Coast, December 6, 2017. Released under a CC by SA 4.0 license by Development West Coast as part of the West Coast Wikipedia at Large project, via Wikimedia Commons, downloadable at 29 megabytes. South of Ross, the West Coast gets a lot wilder still. Before going on to talk about the area that's also known as Southwestland, I'll describe the West Coast's historical importance to Maori as the source of Paunamu, also known as Greenstone or New Zealand Jad. E. Tewe Paunamu The west coast of the South Island is known in Maori as Te Taititini, the coast of Putini, a tanifa or water monster that swam up and down the coast. But this coast is also known in whole or part as Tewe Paunamu, or the waters of Greenstone. Indeed, the west coast bestows this name on the whole of the South Island as well. For the Maori have long extracted the semi-precious substance known as Paunamu, also known in Australia and New Zealand as Greenstone, from the mountain torrents of the west coast. The mineral was then traded all over New Zealand, the land that would eventually come to be known in its totality to Maori as Aotearoa, by Waka, Canoe, and by way of the Arapaunamu or Greenstone Trails, many of which blazed the course followed by later roads and tramping tracks. Scientifically speaking, Paunamu is made from two minerals, nephrite and bowenite. Nephrite is one of the minerals that is classified, outside of New Zealand, as jade. Most Paunamu objects are made from nephrite, and thus from jade. In New Zealand, nephrite mostly occurs in the form of heavy boulders that accumulate in mountain streams, above all on the west coast of the South Island. In either case, Paunamu is generally green and translucent and capable of being carved into beautiful ornaments as well. In the past, some utilitarian items like fish hooks, where the greater toughness of nephrite, as compared to other forms of stone, was useful. Of course, Paunamu makes even fish hooks look beautiful in ways that their steel replacements are not. End of Amari fishing hook, nephrite, 1800-1900. In the exhibition Mari, their treasures have got a soul, in the Musée des Arts premieres in Paris, from the end of 2011 to the beginning of 2012. Public domain image dated December 30, 2011 by Vassil via Wikimedia Commons. Here's a portrait of one celebrated 19th-century rangatira, or chief, holding his ceremonial mirror, pronounced Murray, of office a flattened club which is quite sharp at the broad end, like an axe head. Around his neck the rangatira wears a heitiki, or humanoid pendant. Both artifacts are made of paunamu. Wahanui Rayanate Water, by Gottfried Lindauer. Public domain image via Wikimedia Commons. By law, the extraction, carving and sale of paunamu is controlled by Maori, specifically the Ngaitahu Iwi of Tewe Paunamu, the South Island of Aotearoa. Such artifacts are not unique to New Zealand. Wherever jade or something like has existed, it has been carved into esteemed objects. For instance, many cultures, including those of Europe, have created so-called cult axes that resemble the Maori mirror. The following cult axe was found in England, and is known to have been made from Italian jadeite, a combination of facts that suggests the existence of a network of greenstone trails quite similar to those that would later exist in Aotearoa. Jade axe, Canterbury, Kent. England, Neolithic, 
about 4000 to 2000 BC. Public Domain Image by Bab L. Stone, August 21, 2010, from the British Museum, Item Reference 1901,0206.1 at location G51-DC5, via Wikimedia Commons. Here is a useful summary on Tayara, the online encyclopedia of New Zealand, tira.government.nz slash n slash or Greenstone. World Heritage, the south of the west south of Ross, we are now starting to get into a part of the country where the hand of European colonization and even the presence of the Maori, save for gathering Paunamu, has only been lightly felt. In fact, all the national parks from Aoraki slash Mount Cook southward are part of Tewahi Paunamu slash Southwest New Zealand World Heritage Area. Tewahi Paunamu means the place of Paunamu. The national parks are Westland Titatini, Aoraki slash Mount Cook, Mount Aspiring and Fiordland, and land in this part of the country is more likely to be in a national park than not the coast road heads inland, as the true coast is now wild and swampy, with lowland forest and lagoons. There will be no more seaports to compare with Westport, Greymouth or even Hokitika, only the small fishing settlement of Jackson Bay just north of the roadless wilderness of Fiordland. The most significant place that a traveler comes to, south of Hari Hari, is the road that turns down to the tiny coastal settlement of Ocarito and the huge, ecologically significant lagoon of the same name. There is a campground at Ocarito, and it's not a bad place to stay in part because the region's extreme average rainfall drops mainly in the hills and on the mountains. Ocarito from the air, with Ocarito Lagoon beyond. Photo by Jace Blair as part of the West Coast Wikipedian at Large Project, June 27, 2013, CC by SA 4.0 via Wikimedia Commons. South of Ocarito we come to Lake Maparica, which reflects the local scenery, and the townships of Franz Josef Glacier and Fox Glacier on the now inland road. Both towns are named after their namesake glaciers, which descend, famously, through rainforest to a surprisingly low altitude. At Fox Glacier, you can turn off down the Cook River toward Gillespie's Beach. Partway to the beach there is a side road to Lake Matheson, a small but famous scenic lake which has a walking track around it and a cafe, and a great view of the mountains and tall rainforest nearby when it isn't cloudy or misty or raining. When it is, the tops of the trees loom impressively out of the mist. The track around the lake also branches off to the more elevated Lake Galt. At Gillespie's Beach there is a campsite, and it seems like a great place to get away from it all. CDOC's page on the Lake Matheson slash Te Walk, south of Fox Glacier we come to the Karangaru River in the Copeland Track, which leads to Welcome Flat and its hot pools and then on to the Copeland Pass, which leads in turn to Aoraki slash Mount Cook. The track the pass and the tributary of the Karangaru River that bears the same name are pronounced Copeland, not Copeland as in the American film Copeland. I talk about a hike to the Welcome Flat H. Hot pools in this post. After the Karangaru River, the main road, State Highway 6, briefly veers back to the actual coastline at Bruce Bay, and then inland once again past Lake Baringa where there's a salmon farm and salmon farm cafe. If you're lucky you might get to see the rare white heron or kotaku which is seldom seen in other parts of New Zealand, Maori legend had it that you saw the Kotaku only once in a lifetime, but which is drawn to the salmon farm. I wonder why? I talk about an incident in which a Kotaku dropped into Simi at Paringa, in this post. South of Paringa, the road rejoins the coastline at Knights Point, where there is a great lookout over wild cliffs, and then, not long after that, you get to Host, the turnoff to the Host Pass, the route to Wanaka and Queenstown. At Host, you can take in the Ship Creek Walk in Monroe Beach, which lead through rare low-lying Kahikadio Swamp Forest to the beach. 
Between July and December you might see fjordland crested penguins, and you might see Hector's dolphins too. A second half-hour walk leads to a dune lake, through stunted coastal forest. There are viewing platforms from which to take photographs over Lake Nataki take to the sweeping coastline that leads to Jackson Head. See the DOC pages on walks north of Haas Township and Ship Creek area, of which the latter has a sweeping aerial photo by the celebrated landscape photographer Andrews Apps as its hero image. You can then continue along the coast road to the fishing settlement of Jackson Bay and a four-wheel drive road up the Jackson River, which leads via the Martyr Saddle, wonderful names, to a track down the Cascade River. And that's basically the end of the line. If you take the Host Pass Road inland, which is the main road of course, it turns out that there are several tracks which lead off this road even before you get to the pass, also known as Tirupatiya, itself. Perhaps the biggest walk that comes off the Host Pass slash Tirupatiya Highway west of the pass is the walk that leads up the Landsboro Valley, a really big valley like something out of some western and a typical product of glacier country. And finally, if you are coming this way, check out the blue pools at Makarora. So that's past the Host Pass Summit and so I talk about them in a further post, from Host to Wanaka apostrophe. Here is a comprehensive list of my other posts on the South Island's west coast, not including Fjordland, the Hefe Track and the Old Ghost Road Welcome Flat, the best hot pools of visitation at Paringa the lovely Lewis Pass and Marunga Valley from Host to Wanaka Kermia, a road trip to the top of the South Island's west coast my latest Hefe hike, and a flight back over the Dragon's Teeth, Greymouth and Westport. The heart of the coast the Paparoa track the town of Light, Reefton and the Kiruans track additional resource C. Also, westcoast.co.nz If you like this post, check out my new book about the South Island. It's available for P.